Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Monday, January 16th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people and using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website, click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner. It will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it, and use it as often as you'd like over and over again, absolutely free. You can also download a whole host of audio files that shows just like this one where people have been stepped through that worksheet process. And if you choose to listen to those, they can serve as a powerful tutorial for you to help you get maximum benefits from this work in the most efficient period of time. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives. And secondarily, because 
it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we'd be appreciative if you'd give us a call at 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. Alternatively, if you'd like to contact us and you can't be on live, you're listening through the archives, you can send me an email at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. And you can send Jeannie an email at j-e-a-n-i-e at whyagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g. We get those messages from you. We will address them on the Internet show, and then as time allows, send you a message letting you know what day and time we talked about your email, and you can listen to the archives for the response. The archives are a very powerful tool. There have been some very uh, instructive shows over the years, sometimes motivational, sometimes instructive about the worksheet process, and an alternative source for that is the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. And if you go to the MindShiftersAcademy.org website and click on the Best of Audio Files page, it will take you to a page where the, the top six files are audio files of shows where I presented worksheets I had done from getting deeply triggered. And they were presented as an intensive series between Christmas and New Year's this past year. And now they're available on that web page for easy access. So, how can we support you? What's on your mind today? We have just finished going through the review, twice reading through the review of Lesson 35, the final lesson in Way of Mastery. We've had several people in the past week call in and do processing and or process worksheets that they had done. And we're wide open to figure out what we're going to do with this show for the rest of this year. The theme last year was to read through the Way of Mastery with commentary. And the theme this year seems to be to either review worksheets that people have done or do worksheets live on the Internet show. And... Um, While I, I I think about that on a regular basis, the, uh, the the practice of getting this internet show up and running evolved because we were trying to support people who might want to create their own mind shifter support group. After Michael and Jeannie had been to their town and presented them with these tools, the reality management worksheet, etc. And um, 
and yet it, it has evolved. It is not just uh, a support for people that want to do or create their own mind shifter support group. It's um, as much a support for individual people who are curious about the tools and or want to refine their ability to get effective and efficient use from the tools. I've had a number of situations recently that in the past they would have sparked tremendous emotional, intense emotional responses. And yet I noticed that they're nowhere near as uh, intense or that the situation hasn't provoked anywhere near as much of a an emotional response in me as I would have anticipated. And I attribute that directly to this frequent use of the reality management worksheet in my life and the core understanding that I create my emotions every moment. And that's different than what I had been conditioned to believe in my life. And so I'm like most of us, I was led to believe that I only had strong emotional responses because of the events in the world around me or the activities chosen by people around me. But the more I practice taking 100% responsibility for every emotional state I experience, the easier it gets, the more it happens as kind of an auto-response to the flow of life. I should mention that on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website, there's also a page titled Educational Materials. And if you go to that page, you can download and use the what I call the mental short version. It's called the short version of the Reality Management Worksheet. And um, the actual paper itself is titled Mental Short Version. And I created this because we had some people in the support group who were, were working with these tools one woman in particular, she was working with some handicapped people at a, uh, a shelter. And between the people she worked with and her staff, she said, I love this tool. I use it on a regular basis. At that point, we were using the 12-step worksheet process. And um, it was before Michael had created the 7-step worksheet process. And so she said, I love this tool, but I can't be going off into a closet every time I need to do a worksheet. So she she decided to abbreviate what would be the most useful thing for her, and she had a three-step process. And um, 
She would just identify the emotion, identify the goal, and cancel the goal. And um, the more I worked with that, the more I realized that to get some real leverage out of it, four steps works better, five steps the best. And yet, I understand that because I've worked with people and introduced this to them, many people don't even go to the fifth step. And the fifth step is to think the most safe, happy, loving memories I have and breathe into it. And yet, if all I ever do is identify my negative emotion and the thought I'm using to cause it and the goal and then cancel that, I'm leaving myself kind of hanging out there without resources, without access to resources, or without conscious access to resources. So I strongly encourage people to do the fifth step, which is to focus on the most loving, safe, happy, contented thought and breathe into it until you shift your energy in your system. And if you memorize these four steps and and then the fifth one, you can do it while you're driving a car, when you're in a movie theater, you can do it when you're answering emails. It's just a, it's a mental process that has me recognize I don't like how I'm feeling, so let me put an emotion word on it. Mad, sad, glad, happy, frustrated, confused, hurt. And then recognize that any time I do that, if I'm if I'm experiencing a negative emotion, it'll be because consciously or unconsciously, a lot of my mind energy was going into a particular thought. So there will always be a negative thought that creates my negative experience of emotion. And when I identify that thought, I'll feel it. I'll feel the emotion get stronger. And then the third step is to recognize every time I generate a negative emotion from pouring mind energy into a pattern of thought, that thought is going to contain a goal that's not getting met. I don't have to work really hard. I don't have to extrapolate out 17 ways to Sunday. I can just relax into, okay, what's the goal in this thought that's not getting met? And when I identify that goal, the fourth step has me cancel the thought and cancel the goal and has to be shown the hidden part of my mind that's actually creating my upset. As I breathe and soften into that, which, as I said, I can do this while I'm driving. I can do this when I'm sitting watching a movie. I can do this while I'm doing the dishes. I don't need to stop everything I'm doing and go get a pen and a paper or pick up my phone with the app on it. I can start this process as a part of my everyday thought process to step into more and more 100% responsibility for every emotion I experience. And the more I practice it, the more momentum it gets, the easier it comes to me. And the quicker I fall into that pattern of thought and an observation every time there's a negative emotion. And so this is what we're recommending. 
We're recommending that people do this soon and often. We're recommending that people do this throughout the day, every day, that they stay vigilant about what they're feeling emotionally and they recognize when they don't like what they're feeling that it's probably not too difficult for them to throw an emotional word on that sensation. And if they're willing to do that and then take responsibility for having created it themselves, they can ask themselves, okay, what thought am I using to create that emotion? And then they can say, okay, what's the goal that's not getting met that's in that thought that's generating all of this negativity in my life right now, right this moment? I'm generating negativity because I want things to be different than they are. What is that that I want? And then the last step, I just need to be willing to put that all aside and ask to be shown what's the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset or this negative emotion. As I breathe and soften and put myself in the most open, allowing space I can manage, more often than not, my energy, my negative energy will decrease, will at least slow down and be less intense. And a surprising number of times, I may discover that a thought or an image or a connection pops into my mind, and I become aware that, oh, this is exactly how I felt at such and such an age, sometimes many years younger. And that's accompanied with a kind of an insight and or a decrease in the upset intensity level. I don't need to know why. I don't need to have a big set of rationalizations that I can outline and map out for anybody else, I just need to breathe into the demonstration in that moment that minutes before my mind was telling me I was upset because somebody this and that, and yet none of that has changed and I feel better or different. And so the demonstration is right there for me to observe that it must have been self-induced nonsense because if it wasn't, I wouldn't be feeling better. If it was actually upset I was feeling was being caused by situations outside of me and they hadn't changed, I would still be having that upset. So that's the core of this tool. It's the core of this work is to assist us, each and every one of us, in stepping further and further into 100% responsibility for whatever we're creating in our experience of life. And if there's any way we can help you do that, let us know, 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number, and I'll turn that on and announce you by your area code. How can we support you this beginning of this new year 
how would it serve you to spend the rest of this 40 minutes or so that we have? I had a situation come up over the weekend where somebody was talking about their their upset and when I made an effort to because they were asking me about something when I made an effort to point this out to them they just shut the whole thing down they didn't want to hear one word about personal responsibility they just wanted somebody to commiserate with them they wanted me to agree with them that what was happening was horrible and I wouldn't do it because I didn't want to join them in their misery. I didn't want to do co-misery with them, commiserate with them. I didn't want to say, oh, yeah, this you're right. This is really horrible. This is terrible. No wonder you feel that way. Everybody would feel that way. And it wasn't long before they abruptly ended the conversation because I wouldn't jump in the mud puddle with them. If you have that, if you have that situation, I can only encourage you in the strongest possible terms to do what the um, the Greeks would remind people to do. They would warn people to guard the portals of the mind, of your mind. Choose, actively choose how soon and how often you're going to jump in the pain situation with other people. You know, we have this when people come to our support groups on a regular basis. After a while, they um, in the beginning, it, it seems wonderful. They're 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 surrounded by people in the support group who are doing um, good work. They're focusing on themselves. They're having an upset, and then they feel better, and, and they get all enthused and ex- excited, and they say, hey, you know what? This is great. We're talking about being healthy and having healthy relationships and doing responsibility communication, etc." And then after a while they say, wait a minute, this is um, kind of scary because it seems like if I keep this up, pretty soon I'm not going to have any friends. And what's happening with that is they're waking up and realizing that most of the friends and relationships that they've been maintaining and the energy they've been pouring into their relationships has been into unproductive patterns. People just want to sit and criticize others and or gossip and or beg people to commiserate with them. And if they cut all of those relationships out of their lives, they get kind of a a fearful panic sense that they're not going to have any friendships left. 
area code 828. You're in the air. Is this Magda? It is Magda. Hi, Dr. Tim and everybody else. Um, Welcome. I'm call- Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling to tell you that your explanation of the short process was wonderful. Um, and it really settled with me this morning because I generally don't use the short um, process. Uh, and I did the other day, so it really fit in with <clears throat> with my experience of it, which was absolutely pretty terrific. Uh, I was in a situation where I was going to be meeting up with someone in about five minutes to um, to do a worksheet together, and I had not done this in a long, long time. And this person is kind of new to the worksheet and the work, and so um, I was feeling responsible to do it well and you know last week when I I talked to you I uh, revealed that I had gotten into this this whole business of perfection and it you know which I've gotten into before but I uh, accessed it in a stronger way last week well because that was all so fresh I was able to quickly realize that um, that was what was going on in this situation. And and in five minutes, I decided, well, I don't have to wait and do a worksheet about this feeling of fear and anxiety after we're finished. I can do it now. I have enough time. And so I did the short version in my mind, and it was really phenomenal. I was My energy was, was then freed up to be clear and, and um, on target, and so it all worked out very, very well. And your explanation of, explanation of how that works this morning was great. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, I, it certainly has benefited me over the years, and I I agree with um, Dr. Rice that uh, if all I ever do is the mental short version, I'm kind of shortchanging myself because he he likes to sing the song Slip Sliding Away to talk about what will happen to these things if I don't actually write them down. And yet, there are so many times when I've benefited from doing that work and mm-hmm. without having to wait until I get home or wait until I'm got nothing in my hands or wait until I'm not driving and I'm so it's been a blessing to me I'm glad it's it's useful to you yes it is and I I believe I'm going to keep it as a resource more tip-top on my mind from now on uh, because there are so many times when this would be a good worksheet to do but I can't do it now comes up and like you said you can do it anywhere you don't have to have to write anything down. Now, writing it down is very important. I totally agree with Michael on that uh, because if it's a, especially for me, I don't know how you experience it, if it's a, a problem that my mind does not want to really own up to uh, and wants to keep very hidden, um, I can start out with a good worksheet and then just get side sideways easily 
my mind can shift me off to a different part of the subject and not the, the really important part. And so um, I do like to use the long form when I've got that kind of depth of confusion uh, that I'm presenting to myself uh, because then it is written down and then I can go back up and check, okay, what was part 1D? And am I still, you know, am I still working with my original um, information as I wrote it down or have I gotten sidelined somehow? So it's very, very important. Um, and then there are times when you can just do the short version. And I guess at least it can take off enough of the upset to get me to a place later where I can do the long version if I still need to. So it's good stuff. It's good. Did you have any um, success looking at the... Uh the upsets and, and the, the terror at being discovered that you weren't good enough or that you were publicly failing at something and tying that into your younger self and dismantling some of that younger I self? I did. Um, I actually thought I would probably do four or five worksheets on it. What I did instead was to write, do some writing to be very clear about what I had accessed and then kind of sat back and went, okay, which one of these is jumping out at me? And it was the um, involvement of the Catholic priests and nuns that really grabbed me by the throat. And so I did a worksheet on that. And um, um, my reality, as I wrote it down, was um, I was told, now I was six years old when I started started going to Catholic school in first grade. I was told that I was born bad with sin on my soul and had to be saved. And uh, my feeling around that, of course, was really angry, rage. And I was, and my, and it's interesting because I sort of wrote this worksheet out as from my child, um, feelings and thoughts, but also with my adult present to kind of guide me and take care of me. And that felt really wonderful. Um, so when I wrote down my thoughts, um, it was, how dare you mess up an innocent little girl by telling her, telling me that lie. Um, and... Um, the outcome, I, do you want me to go through the whole thing or should I just get to the outcome? Yeah, you can go to the outcome if that's your preference. Sure. Um, well, actually, I'll go to the goal because, of course, the goal is always so very important. And what my, my little girl and my grown-up both wanted was for the Catholic, Catholic priests and nuns to teach me the truth that I am a brilliant spark of God's love manifested on earth and then came so I can be free. And that word 
just had so much impact on me, free, really free to live as love instead of trying to be perfect. And and it was like free was in huge capital letters and, and blinking lights. It was like, yeah, that's what I really want. I want to be free from this demand that I try to be what I can't be because I'm already perfect, but I don't need to be perfect in this world um, on the physical level. So that, that was a biggie. That was good. And the outcome was I <laughs> ended up feeling serene and quietly joyful. And I felt so wonderful that I didn't want to do any more worksheets on those issues. Then I just wanted to stay in that feeling and um and I had that was a surprise. I thought I was gonna do three or four more after this one, but nope, I was just enjoying it. It was wonderful. Yeah, so that was good stuff. Excellent. Well as as you're you know, we talked about and then you just mentioned again one of the one of the best things for me to help accelerate my work has been learning that and I have this in the bottom line observation, that if I have a negative thought about myself or somebody else or a negative emotion that's active in my mind, I can instantly mm-hmm. know three things. The first one is it's a lie or based on a falsehood. The second one is it's an old tape playing. It's not about the current moment. It's something from the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing is... If I take an action from that, it's just going to be like throwing garbage on the buffet table right before I eat. It's just going to make my life worse, not better. Yes. So if I have a negative thought or negative emotion going, and it's about the past, I want to keep part of my mind grounded in the present as I go to work on this. I want to invite that full memory and set of emotions and all of the energies as I keep at least one foot grounded here in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And that has a tremendous therapeutic benefit. That really helps me shift the energies that I'm holding on to and the clarity with which I can see them. It's true. I experienced it that way so, so totally. And I, I'm just realizing now that the reason it felt so good to me is because there was no one else to defend me in that. My parents sent me to church. They sent me to school. But they were not interacting with me in any way about the lies or the truth that the, the church may be telling. So I, for the first time in this situation, I believed and felt that I was protected and I was being protected by my present-day adult self. That, that was, you know, that was me. And it's one of the things people don't really realize that when, when I don't get what I think I want when I'm younger mm-hmm. and 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 when that gets activated, Michael talks about how 
if I set a goal in my mind at any point in time, that goal continues until one of two things happens. Either it is achieved or it's consciously canceled. Right. Right? So when I set that goal when I'm younger and I don't realize I set it, then as it's running in my mind, in my unconscious, every time it gets triggered when I'm older, whether I'm in my teen years or I'm in my 20s or 30s or whatever decade, 60s, 80s, it doesn't matter. When that goal gets triggered, it starts to drive my behavior and it starts to drive my perception. And so I start to perceive, to see, to hear, to feel things that may be complete radical distortions of what's going on in the world around me driven by the goal that's loaded in my mind that I didn't realize was still there. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, I wanted a parent or a grandparent or a teacher or a friend to satisfy that goal. What I don't understand is, now that I'm older, I'm the only one that can satisfy that goal for me. Any amount of looking outside myself to other people's acceptance or approval or behavior change is a trap. Right. Um, Yep. It is. Nice point. Really nice. And when you were talking before about uh, your three, um, what do you call them? The three major rules? No, that's not it. The the, the, the bottom line observations, there are 10 of them. Yeah, but, yes. But so this, this one says if I have a negative thought active in my mind about myself or somebody else or a negative emotion, I can instantly know three things. Number one, it's a lie or based on a falsehood. Number two, it's an old tape playing. It's not about what's going on in the present moment. And number three, if I take an action from that negative thought or emotion, I'm just going to add negative energy to my life. I can't make anything better. Is that what you're right. referring and to? Exactly. And with those bottom line, bottom line observations, the first two that you just read, I think most cases, for me at least, those are both true at the same time. It is an old tape playing, and it's generally a lie. Um, yes, that's, that's, that's the point of that, is that all three are true, always. Oh. It's an old tape playing. It's, it's a falsehood or based in a lie. And mm-hmm. if I act from it, I'm just going to make my situation worse. Now, oh. this is... The opposite of what my culture teaches me, my culture teaches me that if I have a negative thought or a negative emotion active in my life, in my mind, I'm right and the world is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I should attack people or run away mm-hmm. from people or bribe them or seduce them to get them to change so that I don't have to have this negative thought or emotion anymore. 
also make something or someone outside of us change. Correct. Of course. Of course. You know, because we have blamed something or someone outside of us, so now we have to get them to change. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Very good. Well, but if I have a need getting... to be, if I have a need to be accepted or approved of, and I think I need my parents to accept me or approve of me, or the teacher or my grandparent, that's very, very useful when I'm a child. If I can get that from the outside world when I'm a child, it does help my development. But the point is, if I didn't get it from somebody else as a child. I need to give it to myself. No one else can give it to me once I'm an adult. Absolutely. And I think people That's, continue to try to get all of that from people outside of themselves. You know, the applause of the the group, um, accolades, uh, and uh, and it really doesn't work because we haven't satisfied the original need inside of us. And because your your inner child, that, that wounded part of you that didn't get what it needed when it was younger, it can only hear your adult voice. It can't hear the voice of the people outside of you. Mm-hmm. So you're the mm-hmm. one who needs to keep one foot in the present moment and another foot fully feeling what the younger self went through and thinks it needs and then have you as the more mature later teen or adult version of yourself give that comfort, give that reassurance, send that message. Because yours is the only voice your inner children can hear. Really, really, really so true. Mm, thank you. <sighs> thank you, Dr. Tim. Um, I'm going to have to scoot at this point. I've got something on the stove that needs attention, and I want to keep listening because someone else is probably going to call in. And, All right. Um, well, blessings. I appreciate the call. Good luck with what's on your stove, <laughs> and we'll talk to you again before long. Very good. Thank you so much again. All right. Okay, I'm going to Bye-bye. So call-in number is 563-999-3581. We have about 17 minutes left. How can we support you? What in this conversation is making sense to you or not? I had an image once when I was in a session with someone. They were sitting on the couch, and um, they were actually um, pushing back against some observation I made about their intelligence and competence and um, talking about how they needed a husband, a wife, a friend, a parent, to give them the validation they needed. And I got this visual image of an elevator shaft that went 30 stories straight down from the couch they were sitting on. 
And at the bottom of that 30 stories mine shaft, there's a steel-reinforced concrete bunker. And all of their wounded selves were sitting, their younger wounded selves were sitting in that bunker. And it didn't matter how much I told these people that they were competent and intelligent, above average intelligence, that they were attractive, that they were worthwhile, it didn't matter. None of that could, could reach their younger wounded selves that are 30 stories down in this bunker. And yet, there's this crystal clear pipeline and intercom from that person's adult voice to their younger wounded selves. So it's only the messages that they learn to give themselves over time with nurturance, with being gentle with themselves, with staying awake and aware that they are not just their wounded five-year-old or 16-year-old, that they are also the adult. And it's only that dynamic within themselves that produces the kinds of changes that they're craving that, that will lead them to more productive life, better healthier relationships, better sense of self, Just imagine if somebody is 30 stories down in a concrete, steel-reinforced concrete bunker and you're walking around above them shouting, hey, you're, you're fine, you're okay. The message doesn't get in. And if you get flooded, if you get overwhelmed, if you believe life is too much and you can't handle it, and in that moment, your adult resources, your life experiences, your wisdom, training. Sometimes we have therapists that thorough training in mind-body energy work and emotions and psychology. And yet when they're triggered, it doesn't matter what level of training they have, they can't access the training. So, five six three nine 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 three five eight one. Call that number and press one. We can have a conversation. We've got nine people on the call. Area code six one zero. Susan. Hi, Doctor Tim. That bunker Welcome. story really me thanks because my grandson who lives near me is in that very shape um, he called his parents who were out the other night at a wedding called them late at night and he said please come home I don't want to live and of course they raced home and the dad went upstairs that's my son and said come on downstairs and this is against what I should do but I'm going to give you a part of an uh, an anti-anxiety medication that I take I want you to just try this I need you to settle down and then we need to talk 
Well, the kid took the pill, and they played some kind of video game together, and then they watched a little TV, and my son's son began to laugh and say, oh, my God, I feel so much better. It's as if a huge weight has been lifted on me. I just couldn't carry it anymore. And he said, what makes it, I don't, is it just a pill? He said, and of course, my son said, I don't know, and I can't really be giving you this. We'll go to your psychiatrist and see what can be done. He's on several meds already. This grandson is seeing a wonderful therapist and working on OCD. And when I talk to my grandson about how OCD works, he gets it. He can be, he could be your therapist. He could tell you what you're doing and what you need to stop doing and don't feed the monster and all this stuff. He understands it, but part of him is unreachable. And this has been going on more intensely than usual for several days. And so I've been texting him and saying, I have an idea. I want you to try this. This is, I'm just being your grandmother, but I told him about the gentle art of blessing. And I said, one thing you're doing is your, your mind is so imprisoning you. You are using your mind to just terrify yourself. So every time those thoughts come, don't think about how to get rid of them or anything, but just think of someone and think about, say, I love, in my heart, say it quietly, I love you and I bless you. And it might sound corny or impossible to work or anything, but just try it. It will get your mind a little bit off the trap that you're in. And these emails, we started texting back and forth. He said, okay, I'll do it. And he he even, I said, I've been doing this too. I read a wonderful book and I've been doing it and it's been wonderful to do. You can do it. He has a girl he likes who sometimes is very loving and then sometimes is absolutely cold to him. And he is just going crazy with her. It's, and I said, this will give you some agency in, a little bit of something you can do. You can bless her. You can bless her in all the ways she doesn't seem to be, like in her predictability, her steadfastness, her kindness, her truthfulness, and so forth. And he says he's going to do it. And I haven't had a talk with him, but I'm thinking that is one way to get into that bunker is just to do this absolutely seems like random, but totally different, not addressing directly the problem that he's having. I don't know if it's working or not. I don't even know if he's really doing it. He thanks me for it. He says it's a great idea, but that doesn't mean he's doing it because his therapist says he's a great patient but he's not doing it and he's not sure they should even continue working together because this grandson understands but he's not doing it because I think part of him is in the bunker. I've never heard it explained the way you just did. Well, one of the one of the things we've talked about a number of times with as we read this the way of mastery this last year is that you can read it till you're blue in the face. 
Right. But if you don't start applying some of these observations, if you mm. don't start doing some of the exercises for yourself, the way you use your mind energy won't change, and you'll continue yep. to create the same kind of upset in your mind that you've been creating that you say you want to get rid of mm-hmm. or you say you don't like. Yeah. That's true. And in his case, I'm wondering if there is a way, is it a matter of maturity? Is it just that he's very young? That something isn't moving? I'm not sure what's going on. And, of course, then we get into what you and Magda were talking about, about I've got to stay really okay here because I'm making it a goal to have him be okay, and that isn't a good thing. Well, the the goal is okay. uh, As we like to point out to people in this work, there's nothing wrong with my goals. No, no. Having a, a, a higher or lower quality goal is not a solution to my upset. The thing that's bringing mm-hmm. upset to the surface is that inside me, I've made energetic connections, thought, belief connections between right. this goal getting met or not getting met and my upset. So you mm-hmm. can have the most loving goal ever, and when it doesn't get met, you, f- you can feel yourself generating all kinds of rage. Right. The goal isn't generating the rage or the upset. Right. I do understand that. Okay. It's coming into your experience not because of the goal or the quality of the goal. It's coming into your experience because somewhere energetically you've connected that goal and those negative emotions. Mm -hmm. I do understand that, and it's helping a lot to remember that and to disengage enough to be um, a loving witness without going down the rabbit hole. And I I think I'm doing, thank God, because of the tools, I'm doing a a good job of that, I think. But it is just, I do want, (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm right on that edge of jumping down the hole there. Want to find a way because you want because you want something to be different with your grandson. Yeah, yeah, which is completely understandable. And yet, mm. whenever you have that goal for things to be different with him, and you feel yourself being upset, that's the best use of your work is to target your upset yeah. and dismantle it. Right. I understand. I do. Right? It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing for a parent or a grandparent to want things to be going well for the people they love, their children, their grandchildren. It's a wonderful thing. And and we're saying, great, more power to you. Pour all that energy into sending him the gentle art of blessing, seeing him in his wholeness, etc. And as you do that, if you find yourself generating Sadness, fear, hurt, confusion, frustration, resentment, bitterness. Make those worksheets the tar- make those the targets for your next worksheets. Right. 
because what's going on with my grandchildren or my children is not what's causing the emotions I'm experiencing inside of me. If they're negative thoughts or emotions, I can instantly know these three things. It's a lie or based in a falsehood. It's an old tape playing, which means it is not about what's going on in the present moment. And if I keep focusing on it and then think or act from it, I'm going to make my situation worse, not better. I can't bless myself or anybody else when I'm thinking and acting from those negative emotions or thoughts. Yeah. What were you going to say? Just it's the third one. If I act, if I'm not in a good way, if I'm not, haven't done my own work, then acting <clears throat> without having done my own work makes things worse. I can see how that would be true. Yeah, I'm just adding negative energy into my life in the moment, whether it's with my thoughts, my words, or my actions. I can't make my life well, better by pouring. Say again. Those, those might have a negative effect on the person I'm wanting to be well, too. It's not helping anybody. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Well, I know it's coming to toward the end of the hour, but if you don't have worksheet customers, do you have some ideas about what you're going to do? For the radio show? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do some worksheets of uh, my own stuff. And oh, you're going to? Okay, what? Well. And, and and I may weave it in with you know some other work that uh, I'm, I'm I've been listening again to the Pema Children work, which is just so so wonderful and so in line with the way of mastery and all the work mm. that we do on Mind Shifter support groups and on Mind Shifter Radio that I may be weaving some of those messages in but we'll see we'll see what evolves mm. i mean it's only been the last two years that we've we've done the support or this uh the mind shifter show with a special format for right. all of the other years all the other 12 years so far it's just been it's been open or there's been just a little bit of a a reading like from the way of mastery or a course in miracles at the beginning of the show and then the rest of the show is wide open so yeah so we'll see where it goes uh we're down to our last minute so i will mute you so you can listen in thank you again Mm -hmm. for the call i will remind us all that we come from love we're made of this stuff we call love we actually are love and everything else is false welcome Jeannie rice thank you dr kim it appears that the chat room still is not working well, it's up and it let me type in my hello, but right. Okay. Are you in it? I just now clicked. I had been disconnected, so I clicked it and it reconnected me. But it doesn't look like anybody's been in. <coughs> oh well, well I will write you, them again. If you, if you reconnect <laughs> and and type in it. Then I'll I'll see whether or not it shows up at my end or whether it kicks me out. Um, it won't let me type. 
Okay. That's yep. weird. So, so oh, well. All right. Okay. Thank you. Bye. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And today is Monday, January the 16th, 2023. And our calling number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. We'll give Michael just a moment to get dialed in. We had um, a Skype conference, I guess it was, yesterday with a group of people, and most of them were from England. There were a couple from the States, and we had been invited. Somebody had tapped into the website and onto the Kaboris manuscript, and they had ordered a few things from us, and we had chatted back and forth, and he told us about this meeting. He said it started with a group of people who used to follow and work with Roy Masters, who has passed on, but um, Michael was familiar with Roy Masters as well. And so he invited us to be part of that group yesterday, and we were on there for two and a half hours, and Michael presented, you know, the difference in the Aramaic um, scriptures and and true forgiveness and and so we connected with about 35 new people yesterday, so that was pretty cool. And out of that, um, he had wanted me to put into the uh, chat room some information on, uh, I'm trying to find it <laughs> at the same time I'm talking, um, on the how-to of the forgiveness work. And so um, I created a page on the website. I'll put that in the notes once I find the direct link to it. I did it really quickly while we were on the call yesterday because the article was too long to paste in the chat of the Skype. And so I created a page on the website and just put the link to that page in the chat room. So I will put that link in the notes for today, and that might be some interesting read for people. And it's basically different links and talking about how to do the Aramaic forgiveness. And I'm going to walk in here and see if Michael's having a challenge getting on because I don't see him on the switchboard. Of course, it might be a glitch. Uh, It might be a glitch in the blog talk. But uh, anyway, so we welcome you to MindShifters Radio. I hope that we have some of the listeners from yesterday. We told them about the radio show and how they could tap in and get support. And so hopefully they um, will do that. Some of them said, you know, of course they couldn't tap in at the regular time because they're still at work, but that they would tap into the archives and that they would download the app and, and work on that. If you haven't downloaded the app, go to uh, your your App Store, whether it's Google Play Store or the Apple Store, whichever, and just type in Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, and it'll pop up with a glowing heart and download it to your phone. There's a lot of things on there that you can do, and you can ask a question from any page within the app, and then we will answer it on the show. I think Michael is also expecting a a gentleman to call in and go through a worksheet today. I haven't looked yet to see. There's several numbers on the switchboard but I haven't looked to see if his number is among those. So, John, if you're out there, press 1, and that will put a hand up, and I'll know that you are ready to talk to us as soon as Michael gets on. One of the other things that came up yesterday during the uh, Skype call with this group of people was the different emotions. And I will create a section 
that I'm going to title emotions or I'm going to connect it to the emotion chart. Right now it's um, listed under the special MP3s of radio shows that we've done, and it's segments that I took out. One of them was on shame and one was on guilt. Well, yesterday during the Skype conference, one of the things that came up was on grief. And so if the gentleman doesn't call in to do the worksheet today, then Michael is going to discuss the grief information. And he's still not on the switchboard, so uh, if you have a question for me, press 1. I will tell you, too, that um, there's some people that are wanting to do some work um, using the facilities at Heartland. And so Michael is uh, planning to do, I'm opening a calendar, if everything goes through and they say, yes, it's absolute go, they're wanting to do their thing starting August the 6th. So we're backing it up to do a 16-day food, fun, forgiveness, and work. And so that'll be sometime like mid-July. And if there's enough people interested, uh, we'll back it up even further and do the work week or the 16-day work section and then do a nine-day why. You know, we've been talking about doing the uh, nine-day teacher's training, which requires that you've attended the nine-day why, and doing that online. And, uh, well, the chat room just shut me down, so Blog Talk is definitely having some issues today. But anyway, um, so if you're interested in either of those to come to the, the work time, which during that time you'll do work projects during the day, there will be um, not all raw food because you have to stay grounded to be doing physical work, but uh, the food, the lodging will all be included. And then in the evening, uh, we'll do classes and cover you know different aspects of the forgiveness work. And so if you're interested in that or if you would be interested in doing the nine-day why in person at Heartland, then please drop us a note either to Michael or to myself and um, we will uh, finalize some information on that. But watch for that. I'll be sending out another newsletter. He is having trouble getting on, so give him just another minute. I'm going to send a note also to Blog Talk and, and uh, let them know that it is still very glitchy. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Hopefully they'll get their text involved and get it all straightened out there's drop me a text if you've got my phone number and let me know if you've had trouble getting on and you can't get into the chat into the switchboard or the chat room uh, so that I know that you know people are still out there and they're listening and they're just having trouble getting in but we do have several people on the switchboard and uh, I know it's it's acting really strange but Anyway, hopefully he'll get on here in a minute because I didn't have anything planned for talking. <laughs> so I'm not the radio show person here. So our calling number again is 563-999-3581 and press 1. And um, I'm going to, Magda, I'm going to turn your microphone on just to share with you that we did have a conversation with Aria, and uh, 
you know, we ask her, we kind of as a reminder, we're like, you know, do you remember when we went to the dinosaur museum and and you were asking this little girl questions and, and she kind of snapped at you and mm-hmm. Aria's reply back was just, you know, well, I was just talking to you and we said, do you remember that? And she goes, no. And I'm like, you don't remember oh. that? And she's like, no, I don't. And we said, well, okay, do you remember Christmas Eve when we were at your house and we were opening presents and and uh, your la-la lolo, which that's her other grandparents, what she calls them, and they were talking in Tagalog, which is their native language, and you kind of, you know, said something to them about, I don't understand you or whatever. Do you remember doing that? No. We said, okay, well, you know, so it was like, so we, and I, so then I jumped in and I said, okay, well, I said, well, let me just say that before um, that happened at Christmas, I said, I had gotten a phone call from somebody that was trying to sell me something on the phone and I was kind of not nice and I said, they don't even know how to talk English. And I had hung up on them. And I said, that wasn't nice. That wasn't kind. I said, so, you know, I need to apologize. I don't know who they are, so I can't apologize to them. But I can apologize to you because you were in the room and you heard me do that. And she says, okay, so there were three people that made a mistake. (laughs) So, I mean, even though she was saying she didn't remember the other, she was counting that it was her at Christmas it was me on the phone, and it was the other little girl at the museum. So she's like, okay, so three people made a mistake. <laughs> and I said, yep, that's true. And I said, and we need to learn from our mistakes, and we need to be kind. And so then Michael has now joined us. So I don't know, Michael, if you want to add something to that. But, but um, you know, it was kind of, I don't know if, if she really didn't remember or if she just didn't want to remember or what, but uh, she was like, you know, she didn't remember either of those incidences. And so, you know, to be able to get the conversation in about being kind to other people, then I just said, okay. And so I gave the my example of where I was off target. And uh, so hopefully, you know, yeah. we'll be able to have deeper conversations around that. But That was absolutely brilliant. You know, I have forgotten that you said that or modeled that for her and the fact that you essentially owned and confessed, if you will, that was wonderful because my sense of it is that she was saying, no, I don't remember because she didn't want to remember. (laughs) Right. That's what I figure is that she didn't want to. Good Uh, for you. I think you were really making it safe for her to remember, Jeannie. When you were able to own that, when you modeled owning that you made, you know, acknowledging that you made what you perceived as an error. And uh, I think that helped to open the space for her to soften into it. I agree. But it was real. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it was really sweet to hear her say, oh, so three people made a mistake. You know, I think that that is something that adults really especially teachers and parents, could do more of, and it would be very beneficial for the kids they are with, um, is to own up um, and to say, oh, gosh, I didn't, I, I used a pretty shrill tone of voice there. Excuse me, you know, um, and, and to 
be human rather than, because, you know, we're put on a pedestal by the little bitty ones anyway. We're so big, we're so powerful. So for us to say, yeah, I do some things that are are, um, less than I would like for them to be. And it gives the kids permission to see us as real and then admit to their their realness as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. And it's fun to be playing with her consciously around those issues. It's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. How, How many wonderful things could happen to our world if every child had that kind of parenting. <laughs> it's it's a delightful thought. And perhaps the reality of some time. It certainly excites me to think about how she's experiencing the world at four and the difference mm-hmm. she's going to make when I think about, you know, I didn't start to conceive of moving in this direction for a quarter of a century. <laughs> right. So to see her, you know, having a handle on it for is pretty awesome. It'll be just fun to watch mm-hmm. her grow and see what happens. <laughs> and, and very much fun that you share it with us. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Okay. Sweet. Well, well, what's I, exciting in your world? <laughs> I just made some mint chocolate cake, uh, pie, pie cake, candy. No. You know, our Are you shipping? <laughs> no, it melts. <laughs> <you know. laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> I put it in the freezer for a quick freeze. But I added, well, I, I added a little uh, raspberry this time. Let's see how ooh, that, that is. That sounds good. Well, I I announced uh, at the beginning of the show that um, Michael will be coming to Heartland sometime probably July, and uh, so you'll have to make him some when he gets there. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Cool. Are you still making it for yourself? I heard that you were. We haven't made it in some time. Yeah, actually, I was talking about making some the other day, but I I didn't get to it. But you you inspired me, and we do have some fried <laughs> mint here that we grew. So I'm 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 thinking about you know crushing that those mint leaves up really finely and putting them in some chocolate oh, and see wow. how that works. Oh, that would be interesting. And he's he's had to eat all of it by himself because for some reason. For oh, probably five or six months now, I can't eat chocolate. It gives me heartburn. So it's like oh. he just has to suffer and eat it all. Well, yeah, it's really difficult. Good. I have to just devour oh. it. So, but you know, I I put on my you know okay, I'll trudge through this shirt and uh, and go for it. <laughs> it's kind of like you know that time we were stuck in Hawaii in February. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> Well, you play cool. the victim role very, very well, so <laughs> I, I applaud you guys. <laughs> well, I will well, listen you. now because I'm, yeah, I'm sure that this, there's someone who has a wonderful question for you or something to share, and I want to hear it, okay? So I'm going to All right. blessings. continue doing your work. Yeah, blessings to you both. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Awesome. Well, it, so John's not on, and I, I announced, I told them okay. that I was going to create a separate section on the website about emotions. Right now, the the special um, 
the ones that we've already done on shame and guilt are listed under the MP3s, special MP3s, but I will put them also. I'll create another page that's just about emotions and list them there as well. I was telling them about the one coming up yesterday in the Skype call uh, on um, grief. From the still point breathing. Um, no, this was a, oh yeah, it was a still point breathing. I was thinking yesterday yeah. during the Skype call. Yep, we were busy yeah. this weekend. Yeah. It has been a busy week. I mean, what have we done? Three different podcasts and the the uh, of course the radio show. So lots going on. But in the uh, mind shifters and still point breathing uh, session this weekend, we had some conversations come up and around grief, and so. I had promised that I would do a section on the emotions on grief at the beginning of this show so that uh, the participants could be could be part of that. And I want to kind of review uh, the, the, the context of emotions, which I think makes it a whole lot easier to start to move the energy behind our emotions. So recognize that if you're living from your mind, than or what what the world calls your mind it, what what we call the mind the resonant function of content stored in brain cells being resonated into activity is not really a mind you know if i say don't think about the color of your car you know something resonates in you something moves in you and people tend to call that thinking but it really isn't thinking we call it the mind but it isn't the real mind the human mind is the ability to hold love conscious, active, and present, no matter what moves within our physiology, and to be able to bring in something new, different, and alive in the moment, rather than just replicate what's already stored in the mind. If I say, don't think about the color of your car, there's something stored in your mind about the color of your car, and that moves. If I say, you know, what's the front door of your house look like? You've got brain cells. It's something from the past. If I say, what's your favorite food? It's something from the past. Now, if I put my favorite food in my mouth and I just enjoy it, that's a present moment experience. It's alive. And the idea is for us to be alive, not just experiencing the replication of energies from the past moving in us and and thinking that's life. So our emotions or blocked emotions that can flare up in an instant from a mind that often tyrannizes us is not living. If we're going to truly live as human beings, we need to live from the light and the love that flows underneath those experiences that the replicant mind gives us. The, the active presence of love that's designed to empower and to power the human mind. You know, if you listen to physicists, even they're saying that underneath the creation, that, that if we look at matter, it's light energy solidified. Beneath it is this world of light. And so my offering is we're designed to live from that world of light connected to, and the equivalent word or another word for that presence of light is love. So if you regularly live from a mind that tells you that you're mad or you're sad or you're afraid or you're upset because something is happening outside of you, then you're living in denial. 
Remember our definition of denial. When I think or speak as though something outside of me is the cause of what's moving inside of me, I'm in denial. When I'm in denial, by definition, by saying to myself, that made me mad, I have to dissociate from the real cause, the real energy, the thought disorder behind my painful experience. And when I do that, my mind has to make up a whole false world based on that errant thought, based on a thought disorder. So feeling is the sensation of an energy moving in your field. Emotions are the end result of a resonating field that comes from the impact of mind energy. If you go to the opening words in the book of John, you remember it says, in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. It doesn't say in the beginning was the word. So in the beginning was the mind energy. And so my take is, my, my offering is that the way that this body-mind unit is designed is when mind energy is moving in us, of course it has to hit a cell to be felt. And when it hits a cell, you know, much if, you, if you've ever been out, you know, driving on a country road where there are big power lines and if you stop and you get out, you hear this hum coming from the wires. Well, that's kind of like emotion. When mind energy hits the cell and flows through into and through the cell, the same way as electricity flowing through those wires moves, that Electricity flowing through these wires creates that hum. Well, emotions are nothing more than a reflection of that mind energy moving through those emotions, or pardon me, through those cells, and it warns us or informs us of the quality of our creative process. Now, you've heard me say it many times before. Probably the greatest atrocity done to us as human beings down through the ages and that we've bought into is that we've had hidden from us the fact that we are by nature creators. And so when we lose awareness of our creative ability, our emotions, if we put them in the right context, our emotions are an information signal that informs us of the quality of our creative process, the quality of the mind energy that's flowing in our structure. And when we recognize that, then emotion becomes a whole different thing than, oh, look what they did to me, and I'm so sad or afraid or mad, and I'm hurting. Now, recognize that emotions and thoughts are kind of cooked together and they end up looking like rage and sadness, hate, fear, depression, anxiety. And those things can't be uncooked. And most people try to figure their, their emotions out. Figuring them out is the number one pseudo-solution of the non-being, non-being mind. And figuring emotions out is like trying to uncook them. It can't be done. You know, it's like a stew. Once the stew is cooked, you can't separate the carrot flavor from the celery flavor and the celery from the bay leaf. You can't do it. But as each aspect of the complex of emotion is being dealt with in any given moment is brought to conscious awareness 
exposed, focused into and changed, then that thought can be forgiven. That thought can be removed. And when that thought is removed, then the distortion that comes with it disappears. And so the conversation, as I say on on Saturday in our monthly Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing session, which, by the way, we do it the second Saturday of every month, and if anybody would like to join that, you can do a single session, you can do a three-pack session, you can join it for the year. But the, the thing that came up on Saturday was this idea of grief, and you know, my offering is that grief is an emotional distress that's inflicted on us by the mind as a perceptual construct it's always a reflection of a thought disorder that functionally disconnects us from our awareness of ourselves as love grief includes thoughts of injustice calamity loss all based on fearful interpretations of events. Remember, when the fear filter is set in the mind, the only quality of perceptual construct the mind can give you is something that is threatening. Now, my offering is that every event comes to deliver us a gift. But when the gift is interpreted through fear, you know, think of something that maybe happened to you 20, 30, 40 years ago. And when it happened, it was a big trauma, terror, oh, upset, oh, how terrible it was. And you look back at it now and you go, wow, that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Well, it was one of the best things that happened to you at the time that it happened. Why did somebody wait 20 years to get its gift? Because they were stuck in thought disorders, misinterpreting it, not understanding it. So when these events that come into our lives, we say, I'd rather that didn't happen, and they're interpreted through fear, the mind keeps us stuck in that situation of this is a threat. And when we wake up to different possibilities, then a whole different process occurs. Oftentimes, grief comes up around the experience of death. And it's interesting, in the Aramaic language, the word death means present elsewhere. Let's say you went to a store to see Bill, and Mary was there, and Bill was in their other store, if Mary were Aramaic, she might say, well, Bill is dead. doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. It means he is present elsewhere. If we think that death is an end, we get stuck in a thought disorder of loss and endings and you know whatever complexes are there. So the objective here would be to step into the forgiveness process, surface and and confront, bring forward the thought disorder that needs healing so that the emotion that we're experiencing will come from our true mind that is 
from the ability to hold love conscious active and present rather than from the disorders that thought disorders that tend to be generational. They're things that tend to get passed from generation to generation to generation. And you remember the mind shifter tool. And so remember a mind shifter is a thought about an issue in your life around which you have negative thoughts and it's the opportunity to surface, process, and release the negative thoughts. Forgive. It's the opportunity to move those things. So the way that a mind shifter is used is that, and I'm going to share a mind shifter around this idea of grief in just a moment, but the way a mind shifter is used is you take a piece of paper and you write the mind shifter on one side of the page, and then you write everything that comes up in response to it on the opposite side of the page. And the idea is to use that mind shifter as a catalyst. And in the same way as if I say, don't think about the color of your car, I set up a frequency with my voice that when it hits your eardrum, creates an electrochemical shift inside of you and resonates brain cells related to car. And so those brain cells start to fire. When you use a mind shifter that keys into a thought disorder or a thought complex, that is based in disordered thinking, then the mind shifter allows you to start to resonate that particular thought disorder and allow it to come to the surface in a context that's safe and to process through that thought disorder. So the mind shifter that we'll offer here if you've got your pen and paper ready. If grief surfaces, I remember my true nature. I breathe. As I bring love present in my mind, and heal, all thought disorders related to loss. So once again, mind shift around grief. If grief surfaces, I remember my true identity. Breathe. As I bring love present to my mind and heal all thought disorders related to loss. 
And and healing them doesn't mean figuring them out. Healing means bringing them forward in the presence of active love. And when you write a mind shifter, and if, if grief is an issue in your life, I suggest you take a few hours, two, three hours, maybe even four if it's an important issue, and you spend time writing that mind shifter. And then once you and, – and just, you know, make sure the phone is off. Make sure in your own space secured you're, you're not going to be disturbed. And you just write and write and write whatever surfaces. When you run out of things to write in response to that mind shifter, then write it again. And you might write the mind shifter two, three, four, five times before thoughts start to flow again. And the idea is to get the the thought disorders, and most people, when thought disorders start to move in them, they hold their breath, and that is what locks those energetic patterns into tissue. That's the kind of thing that results in, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about sympathetic dominance. Thought disorders based in fear and loss tend to put people, when they're active, tend to put people into a state of sympathetic dominance, where the fear, flight, fright, freeze, and fawning mode of operating physiologically and with the mind takes over. And when that occurs, especially if it's a long-term sort of thing, when that becomes, or if that becomes chronic, then people tend to get stuck in a place where blood flow is continuously shunted to the larger muscles and to the energy flow to the lungs to allow breath to be used and, you know, to empower us to fight, struggle, run, escape. It can also lead to going into freeze mode because it cuts off blood flow literally to the higher centers of the brain. And so moving those thought disorders, those thought energies out, tends to take the the signal out of the muscle fibers that shut down the blood flow to the parts of the structure that are built to thrive, regenerate, heal, rest, reproduce, tends to open those muscle fibers and allow the restoration of blood flow to the rest of the structure rather than you know, those who've lived in chronic hostility and fear uh, tend to be locked into that mode where the blood is shunted to the larger muscles, you know, skeletal muscles ready to fight and run and to the lungs. So it's an important part of the healing process. So once again, if grief surfaces, I remember my true identity. I breathe. as I bring love present to my mind and heal all thought disorders related to loss. So that's our mind shifter for today and the emotion that we're going to talk about. Ms. Jeannie, do do you have any thoughts to add to that? No. I am in the process of creating the creating the emotion page, so I'll oh, have the sweet. link in the notes. Yeah, awesome. And seeing as how we talked, we've talked a little bit about um, you know mind shifters. I'm going to to just open it up if anybody wants to call in, and we're going to do it a little differently. You know, over the last week or so, we've talked about 
the uh, the movie that we had, or the pardon me, TV series that we watched was called In the Dark, and how much of a um, well, really a psychopath the woman who's the star of this this series is, and I literally, you know, each month part of the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing Club is that each month people get a new set of 13 Mind Shifters based on a particular topic. And having watched this particular series, I, I just it was just like a, a whole download of a set of Mind Shifters uh, that, uh, that came from the idea of, you know, having watched this woman being seduced by her hostility and fear-based mind and her addiction to having her way, it ended up you know, really giving me the gift of a whole set of mind shifters that um, – just a second here. I'm just – so, so this the set of mind shifters for this month. There are thirteen of them, and you know when we do open up and invite people to do uh, to give us uh, numbers for mind shifters, we usually use two numbers. You know, there are several different series. Like, if we ask you to do give us two numbers to select a mind shifter, you know, right now there are seventeen different series. So we'd say, you know, give us a number from one to seventeen. And then there are 13 in each set, so we'd say give us a number from, or pardon me, 1 to 17, and then 13 in each set, so give us a number from 1 to 13. And the combination of those two numbers would be the way we would select a mind shifter for you. But seeing as how we came up with this particular list, I'm going to just invite everybody to pick a number from 1 to 13. And if anybody would like to, uh, to get a mind shifter from that particular list, then just, you know, either text Jeannie or myself or hit one and give us your number. And when you give us that number, we'll, uh, we'll give you your mind shifter for the healing of the beguiling ego mind. So if anyone has a number you'd like to give us. We have a hand up. Great. Let's go for it. It's 541. I believe it's Miss Celinda. Yes, it is. Hey there, young lady. Welcome. I'm I'm good. I'm fine. Um, Would you like my two numbers? Well, actually, we just tell you what. Hold on to the two numbers. So you, you pick two, but then separately, take the first one that comes to mind and just give me one number from 1 to 13. Okay. Uh, two. Two. Okay. So got your pen ready? Yes. So you're going to get a bonus. You'll get two mind shifters today. You'll get this one from the newest list, which is list number 17, and then we'll get your two numbers and go back and see what you come up with. Uh, so... 17-2 is ego offerings, comma. Pardon? Ego offerings. Ego comma. like the bird? E-O, E-G-O, edging God out, ego. Oh, thank you. It sounded like ego. Uh, ego. Okay, ego offerings. 
comma, those tainted with even a touch of fear, and or hostility are always inferior. So ego offerings, comma, of fear and or hostility, comma, are always inferior. Okay. You got that one? Okay, then uh, what are your two numbers? <coughs> eight, and, eight and four. Okay, so I'm going to section eight on the mind shifters now. And this is a section on dealing with power person issues. So uh-huh. eight, four, eight four is the more mistakes I made... So 8-4, the more mistakes I made, the more my parents cherished and were there for me. So 8-4 from the ever-expanding Mind Shifters list is the more mistakes I made, the more my parents cherished and were there for me. Are you breathing? Yes. No. Yes. Good. <laughs> you are now? Okay. Yes, I am because I was in the middle of a memory when you asked me if I were breathing, and no, I wasn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Would you care to share that? Um, what was happening? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just I remember one time when I was nine years old, and I um, was in the fourth grade, and I was just introduced to division. And I couldn't get it at all. I couldn't get it at all. And I took a test, and I missed just every single question on this test. Well, I was devastated. So I was walking home, and I crumpled the paper up, and I threw it in the ditch. Mm -hmm. And usually I didn't confide with my mom at all, but this time she asked me what was the matter because I was obviously upset. And I said, I don't get division at all. And she sat down with me and worked with me in her unusual mode of infinite patience until it must have been like an hour or more. What a great memory to come up. Right, until I got it. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Sweet. Yeah, really. Well, that's that's a nice uh, nice. (laughs) connection to uh, to recall and touch into oh it's beautiful beautiful and I mm-hmm. had a couple other thoughts if it's in line with what you want to hear today because uh, in relation to your show I think it was yesterday oh no it wouldn't have been yesterday Friday's show um, you in, in the book you mentioned at least five religions that arose out of the Aramaic culture and lately right. you have been mentioning six. Is there another one that you have discovered or uh, think that possibly might have come out? It is suspected that the Buddhist, the Buddha actually spoke Aramaic. 
Well, I remember we, you we saying can't, that before, but we I can't verify that, but that would be the sixth one. We've got Zoroasterism. We've got the Baha'i faith, Christianity, mm-hmm. Judaism, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Zoroasterism that we know the originators were all Aramaic speaking. And You, know, you said Zoroaster ba- twice. Oh, did I say so? Okay, then let me go back again. Okay, so we've well, got the, uh, the oh, uh, the Mohammedan, Mohammed. Yeah, the Islamic. Yeah, Mohammed spoke. Yeah. Oh, and Baha'i, you know, he was back in the 1800s, so he's relatively modern, but his language of origin was also Aramaic. Now, are the Sufis still officially connected with the Islamic Church, or have they gone on their own path? They, they have, as I understand it, they are a, uh, a sect of Islam. Yes. Okay. Okay. I was wondering about the Celtics because um, I don't know if you're familiar with J. Philip Newell or not, N-E-W-E-L-L. He's a Scottish gentleman who um, is um, preaching uh, Christianity in the context of Celtic understanding. And it is amazingly, um, amazingly similar to, the, uh, to um, the Aramaic understanding of life. Well, the uh-huh. Celtic language is oh. Aramaic. I, I remember yeah. oh, when, right. when the queen, you know, who just recently passed, what well, was she on the throne for? almost 70 years when her coronation was Michael, happening was on television and a group of translators were working on the manuscript the, the Kaboris and the one of the translators started to translate the coronation dialogue which was in Aramaic. And the coronation stone of the monarchs of England is at least, in fact, reputed to be the actual stone of the throne of David. So the English monarch is coronated in Aramaic. So, yeah, that would tie in with Scotland and, yes, the Celtic language. Beautiful. And, and, as well and, as some uh, of the Native the, American languages. Right. Well, my, bro- my father was a British Israelite. I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, group of uh, Christians or not. And not particularly, now no. That you mentioned, yeah. Pardon? Not particularly. I'm not familiar with that, no. Well, I used to resist listening to him at all. But when you just mentioned the stones of the throne, or would you explain that again? The stones come from the throne of David, but they're what? Where are they in the monarchy? So the, the, the stone that sits under the throne of the British monarch... Okay. Is the actual stone that David was 
you know, was under the throne of David when his coronation or his, you know, ascending to the throne took place. And that is the history or the story of of that, okay, that there's some yeah. connection there. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because I'm not interested in running after the British Israelite religion, but Dad was definitely into it as us being the original the the throne of david <laughs> yeah that you know that now i understand where he might have come to that context out of the house of my david da- my, right yeah my father was a very gentle man I mean, he used to take the gideon bibles into the prison in walla walla which is one of the most um locked down institutions in the whole United States. Um, really? And, yeah, yeah. It's bad news. <laughs> and my mother, who, whose brother ends up in Walla Walla Prison and San Quentin and a whole bunch of places. <laughs> really exciting mm. family dynamics there, yeah? And anyway, mm. um, the other question I had to ask you, I think, was about Mr. Lamsa. You mentioned we were talking about him, where he almost... Uh, George he Lamsa, his right. Life was actually, what's his first name? George. George. Dr. Okay. George Lamsa. Was he, a, was he a Sufi by chance? No. No, he was a native okay. Aramaic speaker. Okay. okay. His native language was Aramaic. He was from, if I remember correctly, I believe he was from Lebanon. Oh, which his, reminds his me history, of us. His history, I think, is in the in, the Enlightenment book, Kavor's manuscript. Yes. Oh, oh, good, because the Enlightenment book, I uh, I probably ran into it and forgot about it. And was it, he was working for Unity at that time when he got threatened. Was that just general Christian um, um overseers of the faith that were threatening him or was that actually uh, unity or was that because I always have a great deal of respect for unity or can you even say unity unity supported George Lamps's work but the people who were living in a fear-based religious mind were threatened by what he was bringing forward and so that's where the the uh, threats on his life came from. Oh, within... You know, he wasn't going along with the old fear-based dogma. Right, right, right. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I just was curious. Did he ever write any books about the Aramaic gospel at all? Oh, all kinds of them. Yeah, there's several. You know, um, Light on the Gospel, More Light on the Gospel, Old Testament Light, Idioms of the Bible Explained. There are several books by George Lamson. Good. Some of them have gone out of print, and some of them have been re-edited and published by Rocco Errico. Rocco was a protege of George Lamson. And so if you look on Rocco's site, Rocco's website is Nura, N-O-O-H-R-A dot com. And Nura in Aramaic means light. So if you look at Nura dot com, you'll see the the publications that George or that um, Rocco, I think he still carries Lamps' books or at least what are still in print, the ones that are still in print. You can sometimes find uh, in used bookstores or online used 
um, George Lomps's books, and Rocco has republished several, re-edited. He was authorized by Lomsa to edit his work and republish them. That's perfect because I'm 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 doing a collection now. I just um, I also want to let you know um, I was going to share it with Dr. Tim as well that I really appreciated his elaboration on the five step mental process of the worksheet, and I um, I realized that between that and Magda's two versions that I can now put more energy and thought into the worksheets and uh, actual commitment towards. Uh, what One right. thing I have been playing with is I'm, I'm actually writing down the five mental steps and adding what I think is important to them for me. And like the emotion, of course, is on there, but the thought behind it, my story, uh, my thought that drives my emotion. And also I love the mass canceling at the end and anything from the worksheet that that really resonates and goes bingo for me. I'm adding that to it. Um, but it's nice within the within the choices I've made and the uh, jobs I've taken on, um, and the relationships I have, that I can have something very short that I can write down, gets to the point, and doesn't get me down the rabbit hole, which uh, too much wording will do immediately. And uh, I wanted to also share with you, um, Michael and Jeannie, that uh, the word corrupt is, uh, for, in my definition, it was raised in my, it was used in my family, and equated with evil and bad, and like a bad seed kind of thing, like that old movie, The Bad Seed. Um, and so I don't use that at all. I will put in at faulty, or I will put in erroneous, or I, I'll just substitute another word. And I, just, I thought I would share that with you. I, I understand the intent of using that word, uh, and for me, it just doesn't resonate at all. And so knowing that I have, um, I can do that, that I have the freedom to do that, to make that worksheet um, appropriate for my understanding of myself well, you and might, life around me. Yeah, you might want to maybe shift and look slightly differently, and that is that the the use of the word corrupt there is as in it is used in, cor- in uh, computer, in the computer world. When a file becomes electronically jumbled and no longer useful, it's corrupt data. It's been corrupted. It's not its original form. And so that's the idea there. Whenever hostility or fear is moving in us, the data that's at the root of that experience has been corrupted in the same way that something in the computer, a file has been corrupted and therefore will not operate properly. So the, when you realize that the data at the root, whenever hostility or fear moving, that the data at the root of that hostility or fear perceptual construct has been corrupted and will never give us a proper construct any more than a computer when the data has been corrupted will give us a screen full of accurate information. So that's the idea of that that definition. And sort of like 
sabotage throwing the sabo into the machinery. <laughs> it would be the result of a, a bolt being thrown into the machine. That's about it. Yes, that's that's a very good way to say it. <laughs> and see, I'd always seen uh, corrupt as, you know, the aluminum gifted or metal gets corrupted in it and um um it's bad similar it it's well it's damaged it's yeah it yeah. just means it's damaged but, it's but, no longer going to serve its function right but the use of the word in my family is get rid of it it's no good get well and it. and the use so when you get to the computer, you know, the, the way we're using the word, it's saying bring correction to it, bring healing. Right. I understand yeah. that. And I also cool. understand the little girl that said that she was bad and if she didn't uh, measure up and get it right or whatever, that she would uh, be thrown out. Yeah. So that yeah. that construct of the mind, yeah. that construct yeah. of the mind, you know, that little girl would do really well to recognize that that construct came from corrupt data, and when she brings forward what's at the root of it to the presence of love, it's going to dissolve and correction will come, healing will occur. Right. So the word corrupt was corrupted, right? Well, no, that's that's what it means. It means it's no longer no, I understand uh, fit for its original intent. Right, right. Well, well that's what I'm yeah, – that was a joke, Michael. <laughs> the cor- okay. My family corrupted the corrupt, the true meaning of corrupt. <laughs> so any other thoughts for you, young lady? I think that's it for the moment. And I hope I didn't disturb your peace of mind. I just I'm, I'm doing fine. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Good. Awesome. There's nothing like a little humor to grease the cosmic grease, right? <laughs> there you go. You take care. I love you both. All right. Have an awesome day. And everybody, appreciate you joining us. We're down at the last minute or so, so have the best year yet of your eternal life. It is an awesome gift to give the world, and the world's certainly in need of it, and each of us is capable of giving it. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. As we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness, we are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on MindShifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.